the stream yard. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. They're coming to get you, Barbara. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice candy. Here's Johnny. Vanity. Definitely my favorite set. I am devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. The power of Christ compels you. This is my boomstick. What's your favorite scary movie? What's up? What's up, whoreheads, and welcome to Shiver, a horror movie podcast. I am your host, Daniel DeBona, and you will notice that Dave is not with me this week. Uh, Dave had some family obligation. I believe it was like a cousin's night before Thanksgiving thing he had to do. He's going to try to drop in with us before the show's over. But I am joined by a friend of the show and a second time guest host, Michael Hunger. What's up, Hunger? Hey, everybody. How are y'all doing today? And... So, no, if you were listening last week, Dave and I had told you that we were going to do Dead Alive this week. Uh, Dave definitely did not want to miss Dead Alive. So we are going to put that one off till next week, which inevitably inevitably means that Invisible Man has been shelved once again. It is uh, it's really becoming the holy grail of this show, honestly, but we will get to it eventually. So I went digging and I had the idea to maybe do a movie that I knew Dave hates so we could have some fun with it without him here and so originally we were going to do something else and just the other day I'm on Hulu looking for something to watch and I come across a entry from their Into the Dark series a couple years ago called Pilgrim and I was like well we gotta do this and so I I, I texted Hunger I was like "All right, here we go we're gonna do Pilgrim it's on Hulu it's a horror movie and let's see what happens and uh it's interesting because, you know, horror movie, our holiday horror movies aren't new. I mean, we do a whole week of Christmas or a whole month of Christmas and Halloween. We've done My Bloody Valentine. They're all over the place. But for every five or six black Christmases and Krampuses you get, I mean, really, Thanksgiving is the one that gets left out in the cold a lot. We did Blood Rage last year. There's a handful of them out there. There's a super cheesy one called Thanks Killing. Uh, if you've ever seen that, it's about a murderous turkey. It's horrible, but it's fun. Uh, so I was really excited to see not just a horror movie that took place at Thanksgiving, but this is quite literally, uh, I mean, the whole premise of this movie is that it's Thanksgiving. So, I mean, let's start with the obvious, Hunger. Like, what do you think of this movie? Did it scare you? Um. So I'll start with... I was very interested going in considering the premise. Obviously, you know, I'm a big movie guy, but is not as much a horror guy right. as certainly y'all are. So I've seen plenty, like you mentioned, Bloody Valentine, Black Christmas, those kind of movies, seen plenty of. Can certainly say after I looked up other Thanksgiving movies just on the off chance I'd seen one, definitely <laughs> never seen a Thanksgiving horror movie. Well, Although I, I do yeah. want to watch Poultry Geist, like Curse of the Chicken or whatever it's called, well, just... Poultry Geist is fun. I have seen that one. Um, yeah, you know, last year we did Blood Rage, but it just happens to take place at Thanksgiving. Like, it could have been any Thursday of the year, and the movie would have been exactly the same. That's why I was so excited for this one. Right, and that definitely, starting out, that seemed very interesting just to see what they did with it. Right. And, 
I think it worked for the premise that they had as weird as it was. And I know they claim based on a true story, mostly uh, based on a true story. Yeah. And I, I looked into it just out of curiosity. It was like, did somebody really kill these people? <laughs> but apparently the guy who pitched the idea when he was a kid, his mom was a PTA president. She put together a Thanksgiving kind of performance and she let a very method Thanksgiving pilgrim actors stay with them. There it is. I was and wondering, so, you know, I, one of the things about doing this episode with, with you, when that thing goes like a real family photo, and I was like, I'm willing to guarantee that hunger is going to bring the knowledge to, to how this is based on a mostly true story. So I'm very excited you did that. Yes. I, I found an interview with the, I think he's a production assistant who pitched it. And yeah, that's what it was. Is he let <laughs> I stay with them for two days and he never broke character, told them stories about Mayflower, everything you see in the movie, minus obviously the murder stuff apparently actually <laughs> happened to him. That's incredible. Uh, so that, that was very interesting to find that out, that at least that's not a completely ridiculous idea. It was built on something. As far as the way the story played out, I... It worked and it didn't work for me. Okay. Mostly because like on episode 60, when I co-hosted for session nine, what we discussed with Simon, they kind of didn't pick which way Ethan went in this movie. Right. They kind of started with the, well, he's got a troubled history. And so he's a real person who it seems like he's taking vengeance on ungrateful people for the family that was taken away from him as a kid. Right. So that was interesting. But then there's the whole supernatural kind of aspect with the wishbone. Yeah, that, that was a weird curveball to throw at the last second. Yeah. So if they'd have not brought that in, I think it beginning to end would have made sense. Right. Because there's, there's, you know, the disappearing internet presence and then the wishbone thing kind of makes it seem more supernatural. So it took away from the, this is just a really vindictive, deranged person and made it more kind of hinky. Yeah, 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 I can see that. I can definitely see that. I uh I went into this movie just really looking for almost like a, a silent night, deadly night two level of cheese, right? Like that that is what I really expected. I knew it just came out a couple years ago, so it wasn't gonna have that full on, you know, 80s cheese whiz feel. But I was I I didn't I had no idea what to expect except for I just figured it was gonna be awful. But man, when it was all said and done, I I liked this movie. It was it was fun. It uh it had some it had some genuinely funny stuff. It had it had just as many moments where it took itself very seriously as moments where it took itself not seriously at all. And mm-hmm. I dug that. I uh I, I mean act three of this thing is just a bloodbath. Like the, the final act of this movie is just nuts. And it just cranks everything up so hard that it's just, it was just hard to not just let this kind of be just wash over me and, and have fun with it. I, I kept laughing, not only at funny parts of the movie, but just at how much I was really enjoying myself. This was a quality turn your brain off and just, just kind of enjoy the ride movie. It, mm-hmm. it never really established too many, you know, rules that it had to follow. You're right at the very end when he, uh, when you find out that he has the wishbone in his hand and, and he says to her, you know, isn't this exactly what you wish for? That gets kind of weird, right? Like, how would mm-hmm. he have known that? But until that moment, it, 
I mean, it was all it was it it was it was all just pretty fast and loose. It's just like, okay, this is some sort of weird pilgrim cult that that does this, and and so I mean, I enjoyed it. Was it scary? Ah, I don't know. It's it's freaky, right? It's there. There are some parts where you're like, God, there are probably really people like this, and that's scary. Yeah, but it wasn't anything my... that was going to keep me up. Yeah, that was my whole take on it. As far as scary, I wouldn't say scary scary in the aspect of like i think it's a very realistic portrayal of the religious zealotry right which i mean you could find spending 20 minutes on the internet so it's not really <laughs> right like you like you said it's not keep you up scary it's just freaky scary yeah agreed so i you know i'll say one thing like they they set the tone with those opening credits those opening credits were scary like they they set they set a really bizarre feel for how things were going to go and so, I mean, so as the story progresses, you know, we get this concept of there's this blended family and the mother is trying to find something to bring them all together. And so she hires these reenactors who are supposed to come to their house and her friend's house as a gift, I suppose, to recreate a an, a, uh, an original Thanksgiving dinner. Everything's supposed to be authentic and these guys and, and women never break character. But then, and their whole thing is that they're going to teach the family about gratitude, but they go to a whole nother level with it. It gets bizarre. Uh, there, there, there ends up being murder. And so, I mean, it's, it's, it's a really thin premise, but because of the fact that they didn't try to overplay that initial, I think they left themselves a lot of ground, a lot of ground space to just, to just have some fun with it. So you know, did, did it keep you engaged? Did you like the, the, what, what, the story that we got? Um, for the most part, there were some things that I feel like they spent a little too much on trying to establish the family dynamic with, you know, the, the uh, daughter, uh, uh, her mother left on Cody, Thanksgiving. Yeah. yeah, Cody's mother left on Thanksgiving. And so there's the animosity of the step family. And even though she loves her, her half brother, the stepmother relationships really not there. Right. Um, I kind of wish they'd have fleshed out more with what happened with her biological mother. Cause it kind of seemed like it was implied that she had passed away at some point, but it was never really confirmed. Yeah. And then kind of the, kind of the, the neighborhood dynamic was kind of weird too. Uh, they kind of touch on obviously the stepmother, um, which her name escapes me now at this point, but she wasn't really respected by her neighbors because there's the two ladies that come in while Cody's cleaning up a broken coffee pot, I think it is. Yeah. And then, yeah, the whole thing with the neighbor, um, of course, they kind of touched on it. I guess it was just to add an extra aspect of kind of kicking off the story. So, mm -hmm. we, you know, we, it's not really a character you would care too much about but it kind of leads to what you can expect for the rest of the movie with what happens in that house that leads into what happens in the main family's house yeah i think that i think that they definitely like i said they, they left themselves a lot of room to play around here but there were there were there were some uh, some obvious things that i think they could have explored a little bit more and and i think you're right they they spent a lot of time building that tension between cody and her stepmom and and i get it 
because you know that's 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 part of the whole thing is this is supposed to help them come together as a family and it makes it more triumphant when they team up together at the end but also i don't think you really i don't think it's it's such a foreign or unrelatable concept to have a stepmother or be part of a blended family that they had to really hammer that nail uh, of how weird it can be um or how awkward it could just be to to have to deal with that I did enjoy that that part, the the neighborhood dynamic of everybody sort of backbiting, but being real, being real friendly to each other's faces. That real, just passive aggressive shittiness that they have towards uh, her friend what was her Catherine, I think was the friend's name. I think that, so. Yeah. That she bought the that she got the uh, some of the actors to work with. Just that real, like in your face, backhanded like bullshit that she was doing. Uh, when talking to her about how she definitely needed a break and all of this, and and I'm sure you could use the help around your house and blah blah blah, it's uh, as somebody who has lived in neighborhoods with HOAs and with neighbors that throw. Uh, when I was in high school, we lived in a neighborhood where the the neighborhood would throw parties that just everybody came to. There were just block parties every once in a while. Like they would take anything and turn it into a block party. Oh, your kids turn it too? Cool. Kids party until six, block party that night. That was just what it was. But this, that type, but the type of stuff like that, it was real common. It's like, oh yeah, hey, great to see you. And then you're in another room and they're bitching about that person. So that that felt really realistic. I liked that. I really dug this, uh, just the the whole idea that this was something that could happen because it wasn't like anything I'd ever heard of before. But it wasn't so far fetched that I was having a hard time believing that there would be these reenactors that would come to your house and do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, occasionally there were the story elements where she's just so willing to let a stranger stay in their house for multiple days. Okay, yeah, that's weird, right? <laughs> occasionally things would happen that, like you were saying, didn't quite fit with how realistic everything was. My man built an entire shed and stained that thing in like six hours tops. Right? She was at school, came home. <laughs> And there was a whole new shed stained and everything in her backyard. Okay, that's wild. Yeah. But. Well, of course, they did have the builder, which I'm still kind of trying to figure out the, how you get around. They had like six or seven other people just kind of hanging out in the trees, apparently, that no one ever noticed. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, this dude showed up fast. Yeah. So, you know, there was, there was some, there was some fun stuff to it. The uh, the the di- I I enjoyed the the kind of throwback thing of the boyfriend sneaking in the window at night. We got you know a little jump scare out of it. That felt real eighties horror. That felt mm. like a fun little kind of throwback to the type of movie that I was expecting. Honestly, so I did like that. It was just it was interesting. I think one of the weaker parts of the plot, which they kind they abandoned decently quickly because they realized it just wasn't something they had to keep driving was this idea that, you know, Cody was going to just constantly bring up the, you know, the modern view of Thanksgiving and those people that are way too in your face about, you know, the origins of Thanksgiving and stuff like that. I'll be honest. We celebrate the shit out of Thanksgiving in this house and it's got nothing to do with pilgrims and, you know, American Indians. No, I just, I celebrate getting able to cook a big ass turkey and just sit around with a house full of people and eat. 
And so, you know, they, they had her mentioned it and then they didn't, you know, it was, it didn't become a defining part of her character. So mm-hmm. I did, I did appreciate that that story element was just kind of let to hang loose in the wind. But I mean, all in all, there's not a ton of story here, just a premise really. Yeah. And that's um, from that interview with the uh, kid who pitched the idea. He kind of discussed that where, he threw it out and they're like, oh, yeah, this is interesting. Where do you think we can go with this? And I think that's really what it amounted to is they they like the idea and just did just enough with it where it was interesting. Like you said, it's all very relatable, realistic. Um, small town I'm from or not the one I grew up in, but moved to eventually. Uh, no HOA, but that was kind of the relationship dynamic of right. the neighborhood was you, you know, you had the people who didn't really care for other people, but you put on the, the mask for most of the time. Yeah. So I think they managed to piece enough parts together to make the premise believable. This isn't one of those, <laughs> this could never happen. This is just dumb, but I like it anyway. Right. It's, it's creepy because you could definitely see it happening. And yeah, there's the, the aspect of why are they just letting this guy stay at their house? And, but they do kind of touch on it with the dad and his garage that just kind of randomly came up as a reason to keep more people in the house. <laughs> yes, is, and so, oh, so yeah, we got, willing to run a bed and breakfast. Yeah. Well, I got these weird Amish guys here to help me build my garage. <laughs> so we're going to let them hang out for a while. So that kind of helped that. And uh, what you touched on with the, wokeness of thanksgiving right. if you want to call it that in the moment i did get kind of all right i you know i don't need to sit next to my 20 year old cousin and right. find out like we all know the history of thanksgiving it does add the uncomfortable touch of it's a conversation nobody wants to have but it does come up um, yeah the <laughs> i did um it got a little excessive at this point, but it was a funny way to end it with her whole, hey, can I go over to Rachel's house tomorrow? They're hosting a Nazi. Yes. <laughs> that was a funny way to touch off and thankfully end, like you said, that aspect of her character. Yeah. And, you know, I, I will give this movie credit because it did kind of it, it touched on those themes to me without ever seeming like it got too preachy, you know, because the whole, the whole idea was not just to bring these people in and get to experience an, an authentic first Thanksgiving, but it was also supposed to be that he was going to come in and, and teach you to be grateful for what you had, because we've got this dad who's always, he's got to track the foreign market. So his tablet's always out. And you, you've got the, the mom who's just desperately trying to, do right by her kids while also looking good for all these super bitchy neighbors that we now know she has. And, and so he was going to teach them gratitude on top of everything else. And I, I don't, I think that it, it did a good job of reminding us that that's kind of what it was after without ever feeling like it was a morality lesson. And Mm -hmm. in the way that when back when, uh, back when we did the new candy man, I like the new Candyman a lot more than Dave because one of his biggest things was just how ham-fisted they were with the political views in that one. It just it, there was the subtlety of a Jordan Peele directed movie was lost in that one where he was just a producer. Mm-hmm. This one I think knew that it it wasn't 
it never really wanted to be taken that seriously. So it wasn't anything that they pushed mega hard. You know, they, they threw it out there and they're like, yeah, we're kind of looking at these things. And this is another reason to celebrate Thanksgiving, but we're not going to shove it down your throat. Right. And I think that kind of goes with uh, where they kind of lose his whole um, vindictiveness, really, because there's kind of where they touch on with uh, the scene with the sun and the crow where he kind of oh, looks yeah. at the sky and says, see, I taught him gratitude without taking anything away from him. Yeah. Uh, but it, they danced around it enough to where, like you said, it, it's not preachy. Yeah. And, and I think that that's, that can be a real kind of delicate line if you've got something that you want to you want to throw out there, but I, I think it's just a smart move to realize that this wasn't the movie that anybody was going to take seriously enough that you should that that should be something that that you uh, that you just hammer that because that's not what people were into this movie for. You know, I there are, there are plenty of movies like the original Candyman, where the the political message. And the ideology that's presented there, that's a central theme of the movie. And it's, and it's done very well. Mm-hmm. But that's also a movie that was made to be taken very, very seriously. I, 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 am, I am grateful for the fact that, the, the, that Into the Dark and Hulu realized that this, this wasn't the right platform. So state your case and then move on because that's mm-hmm. just not what I was into this for. I, I was I was looking for something to kind of add to the rotation. We always talk about, you know, these movies that we watch every Halloween or every Christmas or, you know, watch My Bloody Valentine every February, watch Leprechaun in March, all of that stuff. This this I, that's what I was hoping for out of this movie. It was just something that now I now I don't just have planes, trains, automobiles and Dutch. I also have I also have a, a Thanksgiving horror movie because before that it was just, you know, wonky was late 80s, early 90s comedies. I think Dutch was early 90s. But uh, and so it's it's just I, I think that they understood well enough what they wanted to present in that aspect. And I was I was very happy for that. Yeah, to reference a non-horror Christmas movie, uh, It's a Wonderful Life. They danced up to the edge of the pool, but they never actually <laughs> fell into it. There we go. Well played. I like that. That was a good one. Okay, It's a Wonderful Life. Great reference. So, you know, the, 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 the idea at the, at the middle of all this is that we've got reenactors who are coming in. They're going to give you an authentic Thanksgiving so we have a cast that's not too too big here, right? We've we've got a cast that's it's just really the family, couple of family friends, and then mainly just Patience and Ethan. Yes, we end up with a lot of these other pilgrims around, but it's it there's not too much. There's a couple faces in there that were familiar. Kerr Smith is Shane. I mm. recognize him. Um, Elise Levesque, who played Patience, it was driving me crazy trying to remember who she was. So I finally looked her up and remembered she was from Stargate Universe. But uh, so, but who stood out for you in this in this cast that we had? What what who who were your takeaways, good or bad? Um, well, like you said, recognizable people. I know Kerr Smith from Final Destination. Um, obviously, the mom, Courtney Hangler, uh, is Amanda Larusso on Cobra Kai, so yes. I recognized her. And as far as 
like you said, with Elise Levesque, she was driving me crazy. I think it's just because she looks like Maeve from The Boys. I maybe wanting... that's partially it too. She does look like Maeve. Oh my God. Yeah. Maybe that is part of it. Yeah. So that I, it was driving me crazy the whole time thinking I, that's got to be her. Right. And I finally looked it up. Of course it's not. Um, but I, <laughs> I had the same thing with Peter Giles who plays Ethan looks familiar, but couldn't even after looking it up, couldn't place anything. I think he's just one of those faces. He looks yeah. like somebody. And so that kind of added to it. I think they both did amazing jobs portraying Ethan and patience. Uh, definitely creepy because they're recognizable to where right. you, you think you could have seen this person somewhere without them being recognizable enough to be distracting and taking away from it. Agreed. So that added that, um, the son, and I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to say anything bad about a kid, but kids in movies are, are a fine line for me. Yeah. Fair. It's like you're either going to be endearing or you're just going to be annoying at some point. And that's kind of what that danced on for me with him. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Um, yeah. He, he was Tate, you know, he, he, he did what he had to do. Um, you know, I was fine with him, but man, the, 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 the standouts here are, are on two completely different edges of the spectrum for me. The first one um, to a lesser extent being Cody, uh, play, her name was uh, Rain something. Rain Edwards uh, played mm. Cody. She was interesting because of the fact that I kept kind of being like, oh, God, she's so annoying. But then I was like, but also she's supposed to be 16, 17 and trying to find her way in the world. So maybe annoying was the right way to play that. It was one of those things where she kind of graded on me for, for a large chunk of the movie until I realized that maybe she was supposed to, you know, it, it's one of those weird things where you look at the performance that somebody gave and you're trying to figure out how much of it is because of the actor's ability or lack thereof and how much of it is the character that they're supposed to be portraying. And so when I look at the character that, that Cody gave me, by the end of it, she got a good arc. She she established herself as, yeah, this this really outspoken, I, I'm going to say 17-year-old, who, who had her opinions, who was, you know, from this weird, she even referred to the the, the women around her neighborhood as the Stepford Wives, right? She, she's living this yep. picturesque life, uh, but she's she's not that into it, right? She's she's got her she's got her weed pen and her in her crucifix in her drawer. She's got her boyfriend who sneaks in at night. And once all of those things started adding up to just I think a performance that was that was kind of what you would expect out of a 17-year-old in that situation. So I was okay with it. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, I would definitely agree on the 17 because she does mention I can get out of here next year. So I assume that she's a senior in high school. Right. Um, and yeah, that's kind of how it was for me too. It's, God, I cannot stand this person. And that, But then you really go back and think about it at the end. And yeah, I probably sucked as a 17-year-old right. too. I'd, be, I'd guarantee that I sucked as a 17-year-old yeah, based on my Facebook chance. memories. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it's one of those, I... I don't like you because I relate to you and I, I understand the situation that is being presented. It makes sense for the character. Yeah. 
And then the the other end of the spectrum, as far as standout characters for me, man, it was Ethan. Ethan mm. was so good. Peter Giles was his name, and I did the same thing. I went I went and looked and tried to find something else. But you're right. I think he's just got one of those faces. But man, the way that that dude chewed scenery. I mean that when he was when he was there, there was one of the things about this movie was that when we were talking about, was it scary? We both said it's kind of freaky through the first two thirds of this movie. Nothing really too bizarre is happening until that first kill happens. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's, I mean, it's weird, but it's nothing out of this world. It's nothing. It's nothing insane. It's just weird. But so for the longest time, he's just playing this guy and you're trying to figure out, okay, is this guy, you know, I think she called him a Renfair reject at one point, you know, (laughs) you're, you're trying to figure out, is that what this guy is? Is this a dude who's some sort of, you know, drama school dropout that, that found a way to, to make his name. Then that turn comes when he tells the story of the, the crow and, and you're right. And he looks up to this guy and says, I didn't have to take everything away from this one to teach him gratitude. It's like, oh, okay, this guy's crazy. This mm. isn't just a job. This guy is nuts. And from that point forward, he was, he was so on point. And just the, the character itself was, was terrifying as this religious zealot who would go this far. Um, but the, the actor's ability to... He would, he, there were a couple times he'd be telling stories and you could see his, his face soften. Uh, there, when he's telling the story about how he used to have a family and they were taken from him, I started to wonder if he was breaking character, right? Because the whole thing is that they don't break character because we eventually find out these aren't characters for them. This is just how they live. But, um, and so you started to feel like he might be slipping out of it and you could see it in his face. And then you see that moment when he realizes that he's kind of slipping too much personal information out there and it, and it hardens back up again. But there was that moment when he was talking to her in the hallway that I was just blown away at how, how wonderful his, his acting job was by the end. He's just laughing maniacally and making himself puke. And we're going to get to that final act eventually, but he, he did the, it wasn't really a character arc for him there was no lesson learned or anything like that it was just this slow descent into the depths of his insanity that he portrayed very very well yeah definitely like you said his facial um the way he's able to emote facially definitely added that aspect to it's almost like a mask at certain points where like when um whenever he confronts the dad in the the window when they're trying to escape just as he's talking to him about you know that what you don't appreciate shall be taken from you brother shane or whatever creepy maniacal way he presents it to him (laughs) but it's just kind of having that directly in your face and being able to read off of him that oh it's not just words he's actually portraying that insanity very well right and so, you know, he, so th- those two were the stand, were just the huge standouts for me. But I think that, um, I think that, that Patience was a great character who was, it was interesting with Patience because 
this this I this you know like archaic view of women, right? And so she's just very silent and she's always kind of looking down and and she reveres. And so when we first meet patients, we have this idea of her reverence for Ethan just comes from the fact that that's you know that's that's the period that she's supposed to be from is that she would she would revere her husband like an another and then when we eventually realize that he's the leader of a cult the way that she's talked about him and looked at him and and been a part of the things that he presents this takes on so much more meaning and that character becomes so much deeper and it's it's interesting because we get this partially formed idea of what kind of happened with uh with Cody's mom. We get this real quick explanation for uh what happened with Ethan's family and he lost them and maybe that's what made him lose his mind. There's in a in the way that we got Pearl after X. There's a really interesting story to be told here of what happened to Ethan how he got into this and how patients got involved. And I loved that she, she got this great developmental arc in how she acted and behaved by the end. I mean, she's a full blown psycho too. takes the ax to Shane. She's trying to find Tate probably with the intention of killing him. And she's just, she has lost her mind. There's a really interesting when Harry met Sally's story to mm-hmm. tell between Ethan and patience. And I love that they kind of left that open for interpretation. Yeah. That was another, like you mentioned with him slipping very briefly, her, when she's still at the neighbor Catherine's house and she kind of, you can tell Catherine's not into it. She's just kind of, so right. how'd you get into acting that whole thing? And she has that brief. And I guess maybe she figures I'm going to kill this girl. I'll just, tell her i don't care right um the whole concept of how she got into it um and then her descent as well as far as her going after tate i'm not convinced i i don't think they had the intention of killing tate i think the scene with the story of the crow and the bird kind of was a it seemed like they were building to he he was trying to indoctrinate him okay uh, to where well if everything's taken away from this kid, maybe I can, you know, grow our cult. That, okay. That's kind of what my opinion of as far as that was. That And that would make a lot of sense because he did spend a lot of time with Shane. That definitely seemed to be his, his focus seemed to be to develop a relationship with Shane and teach a lesson to, or not Shane, Tate, um, to develop a, a, a relationship with Tate while teaching a lesson to the others. So now that I stop and think about it, I think, yeah, 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 yeah. I think you're definitely onto something there. It would make more sense because he's still young and moldable, right? It's it's easy mm-hmm. to, apparently all it takes is some taffy for this kid, <laughs> right? So, which by the way, was driving me crazy. So I did go look it up and very, very time inappropriate. For this guy who never breaks character, having a giant bag of saltwater taffy, just that, that, that dog don't hunt. Uh, it's from Jersey in the, in the 1800s is when taffy was invented. I went and looked that right. up today because I was like, for all the things that they're doing, this guy's got a whole lot of saltwater taffy. But it does kind of make sense in the fact that, I mean, it's 
it's it's on level with those strawberry bonbon things and those like striped hard candies that come in the tin as far as like old people candy. Yeah. You know, it's and, like uh, Werther's Originals. <laughs> yeah, those are the strawberry swirls. Yeah, the strawberry, strawberry cream swirls. swirls, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, but yeah, it, it does. I can't see for some reason by the time they were searching for him at the end, I had forgotten about that, but you're right. It makes more sense that they would just be trying to make Tate their next guy. Right. Yeah. And because that, that could be why Tate kind of disappears at a certain point. I think maybe he kind of, even though he did give him candy, uh, I think he might have kind of figured out there's something off about this. And you know how kids are in horror movies. They kind of seem like they know what's going on more than anybody else does. Right. And he, so that, he was, he was witness to the, the, the prayer when the, the lady showed up the first time. So, you know, God only knows what he heard Ethan actually say. Right. Because that was the last time we got any semblance of sanity out of Ethan. Uh, but I mean, there was, there, there was some, you know, the, when, when we first, there was one thing about patience that was driving me crazy at first. And and then it was another thing where I realized it was just a remarkably good character decision by the actress. Uh, and it was just that that dead-eyed stare that Patience had when she first shows up. She yep. was... I, I, you know, she, there was... I did not expect for her to be the first... I didn't expect for her to draw first blood in this movie. I, that did not see that coming because I just didn't see much of anything coming from this character. And so it was, it was a weird and bizarre thing. She just, she was committed to that absolutely soulless kind of, like I said, just dead eyed stare when she's first there. And she's the first time we see any emotion from her is when she kind of defends Ethan to Catherine she mm -hmm. said, you know, she says something like, like, if you'd been through what he'd been through type thing. And, and she's, and she starts to come to his defense when Catherine is, is putting on about how just weird and bizarre this whole thing is, but also doesn't seem upset that she's got the help around the house now. Right. Well, and, and then also the first real big creepy part of the movie you see, besides the intro and all the kind of weirdness at the beginning is that just fucking horrifying, like, I don't know if she's making cranberries or what it is where she's just churning. Oh God. Just churning yes. like crazy in that corner is just between her emotion and the way they present it is just unsettling as hell. And I, I, I spent way more time today, you know, 12 hours after watching that movie, than I should have trying to figure out just what the hell was in that butter churn because yeah. When uh, when the boyfriend finds his mom, um, Finn, when he finds his mom, Catherine, she's just laying there on the ground. Looks like she's probably been poisoned by the tea that, that patients made. She seems to all be there. She's just kind of bleeding from her mouth and eyes, leads you to believe it's poison. I don't think there were any parts of her missing that she was smashing in that butter churn or whatever the hell that was. So, yeah, what was going on with that? Because you're right, that was... That was probably the closest that this movie got to some straight up nightmare fuel that and just him walking through the house, just hearing those thuds, whatever it was on her hands, looking like she was gripping it so hard that she had just worn her hands raw on it. That was all just so again, 
not scary, but so unsettling and creepy in that moment. And, and the, and the first time that, uh, the first time that we see that there are more than just the two of them, because we see a buckled hat grab Finn from behind after he goes running down the stairs to get away from her. Yeah. And that was, it added to the unsettling because there was a brief moment. I obviously notice she's doing something with the tea that she's giving her. Right. And so looking back at it afterwards, you okay. Yeah. That she definitely poisoned her, but then what's the whole, like what's going on with this When he, I will say when he first came up the stairs and went in that room, I really thought, they somehow like turned the mom into a pilgrim. Like she was hypnotized and it Dude, was her. That's exactly what I was waiting for. When all we got was the shot from behind her. I was like, Oh my God, it's his mom. Whatever was in the tea is it. Yeah. She's a pilgrim. Now I had the same exact thought. Yeah. So that added to like, what's going on. And then yeah, like what, what's in this butter churn. And then they, you don't really get time to process it because he's, as any rational person, I'm getting the hell out of here. Right. Um, so good, good for Finn and breaking the trope of what you should do in a horror film. Yeah. Cause he ran down the stairs and tried to get out the door. Yep. He went straight for the door. He didn't go any weird background. I'm, go, I'm going out the back door for some <laughs> right. reason, going through the basement to get out. Yeah. He didn't go to his room and try to climb out the window on a trellis or anything. He was like, there's stairs. There's the front door. Peace. Yep. So, you know, it's, so, you know, we look at the characters, we've talked about the story, but I mean, let's get into what really pushes this movie over the top and makes it just so ridiculously enjoyable for the horror fan. And that's the final act of this thing. For a movie that was creepy and weird, and I've gotten to the point in my life where I hate the term slow burn, but I'm going to use it here. That's a slow burn for, for the first two thirds of it. We get a final act of this movie that pays dividends. Um, It does not shy away from being violent, from being gory. And it's, I mean, the, the ending of this movie is as bloody as the history of the colonists that, that it's, that it's supposed to be about. Right. So does, does this movie use violence effectively? Did it add to or take away from the movie for you? Gratitude was definitely on the menu for me as, <laughs> so good. as, as far as that uh, final act. Yes, you do get about 50 minutes before, you know, not counting the thing at the neighbor's house. As far as the main characters are concerned, it's an hour and 20 minute movie. Got about a 30 minute window left before it gets into anything. You know, they're chained up in the little head and arm things, whatever yeah, the, those are the called. The pillory stocks. It's yeah, the stocks. Two. Yeah. Um, that's when you first start getting into the violence. They could have done a little bit more for me. Um, like whenever they do a murder as a family, um, you know, they just, they bludgeon the big guy with hammers, but you don't see any of it. And that, that kind of took away, you know, you don't really get a glance, but at the same time, you know, what's going on. So it might've been a little excessive if they'd have shown more of that. Right. Uh, the ax from patience has, I think it's just into the darks thing where there's always that one sting of the red screen, the solid red screen. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that kind of worked just because it seems to be their trademark. They had to fit it in somewhere. Uh, But yeah, as far as that, (laughs) that dinner scene, (laughs) Oh my God. It was every part as ridiculous as it was amazing. Right. It was, there was, (laughs) 
just 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 to start to look yeah i'll start there that dinner scene is so outrageous because you immediately know what's going to happen when he when he talks about you know the you know you're gonna you're gonna shuck the corn and you're gonna mash the berries and then we're gonna have the meat and it's like son of a bitch okay i know this is this is very rocky horror and that they're about to serve up the guy who was just killed a few minutes ago but it was all just so ridiculous and it was so great it was from the moment that they that when they kill the big guy the builder who is just listed on in the credits as big pilgrim which cracked me up um <laughs> they do that moment where they they all grab and they've they've got the different weapons and the mom's got the spoon or whatever but they do that shot where it just shows all the weapons in the air and again, that felt very much like an homage to these 80s films that you could see where, where they were drawing a lot from in this. That felt very Friday the 13th type shot. And then to immediately have the, did we just murder as a family? Yeah, that line to kind of break that tension and make you laugh. So much great stuff there. But yeah, they build to that dinner scene and you're like, and at that point, you know, the dad Shane is dead and you're like, okay, yeah, they're about to serve this guy. And just the great, huge cinematic moment where he lifts it up and it's just the the perfectly preserved head on this platter that looks like he's quite literally sitting up under the table with his head through a hole like you'd see in a budget haunted house. Spectacular. <laughs> just amazing. And I immediately had the realization when you just see him shoveling this cranberry sauce into his mouth that she had put the Jerusalem cherries in there. And so they all start kind of puking and stuff and it's coming up and it's, it's some blood, but also they've just shoved a bunch of cranberry sauce in their mouths. So it's just grotesque, but then they ramp it up again where he shoves his fingers down his throat and makes himself puke more. So it's just buckets of what looks like fake blood flying out of Ethan. He's screaming to patients, evacuate thyself. <laughs> Spectacular. So she's sitting there. She makes herself puke so much that it starts seeping down through the cabinet that Tate is hiding in. It was bonkers. It was it was just so wild. And it was funny because you're you're right. I I there was there's a part of me that kind of wanted to see that head get smashed with the hammer. Give me one of them. But another part of me that's like, okay, it wasn't in the budget, right? So we get a couple special effects with the kills and, and we get some fun stuff. That one just wasn't there. Uh so I would that one, but it's it's crazy because as as funny as some of that stuff is, and you're right, the, the axe to the head with the red sting, that's not funny, but it's got a cool cinematic effect. But man, when they took the when they took the time to brand the stepmom, that one hurt. That was <laughs> I, you know, it's it's so funny. I have I've learned that burns and just severe breaks affect me far worse than just some sort of of gruesome death mm. whenever I watch these movies. And man, watching her get branded, that was painful. See, for me, the one that stuck out, and it could be, 
I don't I've never being as big as I am, tight spaces give me anxiety. Fair. But where they're doing the good old fashioned pilgrim witch Duncan uh, <laughs> with uh, Cody, they're yes. dunking her in that pond was giving me so much anxiety. The time that they took to spend underwater, yeah, and kind of that really built a lot of tension for me. So that definitely added to even without the gore. This is just very. Uh, it's giving me chills thinking about kind of yeah the the moment they cut to that i knew exactly what they were about to do and part of that is because of where i grew up so funny story i grew up so i grew up in virginia beach and uh virginia beach is where i grew up in, in virginia it's they do I, I with I didn't, I'm sure there were counties, but I didn't know what they were. But it was you know like Virginia Beach was just this massive city, and then it had all these small parts in it, and uh, and so they weren't their own towns or anything. It was just that's the area you're in. There is an area in Virginia Beach called Witch Duck, and it's and 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 then and so everybody who's from anywhere around there knows about this idea of dunking women to see if they're witches. And, you know, if they if they float, then they're a witch and then you tie a Bible to them and see if they sink now. But then it's always bizarre because they'd be like, well, but if they sank, they'd have to leave them down there. Because what if the witch is just casting a spell that made herself sink? So like you were just screwed either way. You either a witch or you were going to drown. But so as soon as I saw that that big arm attached to the chair, I was like, oh, my God, they're going to duck her. They're going to put her in the pool because I kept waiting for the pool to come into play. And that was the moment where I knew it was going to be. And so I was honestly, if if I didn't, if it, if that wasn't like the first time I'd seen a witch dunking like on camera or I, I might have been more engrossed in the fact that you're right. There was a lot of tension there. I was just kind of giggling at the fact that it's like, I know exactly what they're doing. And there's a, there's a truthful history to this. And that's bizarre. I'm finally seeing it play out on screen, <laughs> but there were, there were so many just, uh, there was, so there's the, when uh, they've got them shucking the corn and smashing the berries and they get Ethan distracted and you see Cody grab what I don't know, it's an awl or something that's on the table. It's just some sort of pike uh that's that's sitting there. And she reaches up and she stabs patients through her hand in the temple. So one ow, that hurts. But two, patients just reaches up and pulls it out without <laughs> flinching. Like there's there is a level of religious zealotry <laughs> to being able to overcome that that's ridiculous. Uh, but, and the thing was, it wasn't, she didn't pull it out and it started like, it didn't start like spurting blood or whatever. We weren't led to believe she had brain damage. It was just like, ah, I got stabbed for a second, but now I'm okay. And looking back on it, it was ridiculous. But in the moment I was like, damn, she's all in. <laughs> yeah. That's when it first happened. There was a, I was like, oh yeah, she's, she's done for. But then whenever she came back out of it so easily, it lost me for a very brief second. Cause I was, had that, wait, what the hell kind of moment. But I, you know, everything worked so well in that last part that I forgot about it immediately. Exactly. You know, that's, that's, it's, it's like the opposite of what Dave and I talked about with Barbarian a couple weeks ago, where 
I, I personally disliked the ending so much that I went back and, and I was, and I was just nitpicking other things that bothered me. I was so engrossed at how fun that final act was that, that that particular bit didn't, it didn't bother me because yeah, you're right. It's like, you probably should have killed her. I've, I've seen, I've seen people in horror movies die from less a serious injury. And so, but because everything happening, that was the moment where it just, it was, that was the moment when we realized, okay, they wanted to give us a fun movie. So they give us mm-hmm. this absolutely ridiculous final act. Like what the hell was, 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 did she grab that she threw into that candle that went up like flash powder? Does that what flour does? If you throw it at a candle or cornstarch, what, what was that? That's what I, I, I was, that's what I was thinking to myself was like some sort of breading is just thrown into a candle and it exploded. It doesn't make sense. But then again, she also uses her husband's head as a weapon. So who fucking cares? Yes, she does. Oh my God. I had forgotten about that because I was laughing so hard. I didn't write it down. She used her husband's head as a weapon. <laughs> oh, so great. It was, it, that was, it seems like that, that when you see a movie, know its place. And mm-hmm. you you see a movie that says we're a B movie. We're go yes, we're made by Bloomhouse, and they're they're out here doing great stuff. But also, we're going straight to Hulu, and we don't have any aspirations of winning an Oscar. You know, we just we want a movie that people are going to talk about, and that final act is how you create that. You create memorable stuff like using your husband's head as a weapon, like like yeah. Per- it took them just a couple hours to build this huge device that they were using to dunk her in the pool. I mean, these, these Pilgrim reenactors were building on an Amish level. This was, this, that's like those YouTube videos you can watch. That's just a one day time lapse and the whole barn goes up. That's how fast these guys were building these elaborate structures in the backyard with what seemed to just be hand tools. (laughs) But all of that was so ridiculous, but it was so fun that you never felt the need to start pulling at that thread that mm. would allow the whole sweater to unravel because it was just, it was fun. And yeah. we get this great, we get this great moment out of Cody where she seems broken. You know, when we was talking about the her having a great arc, in this final act, after she's down for the, the third or fourth time, when she's been underwater for a good long time, and they finally bring her up, and I guess the, the determining factor in the fact that she's actually grateful is she just shuts up. And and Ethan kind of took that as her understanding that how serious he was. Because, you know, that first she they pull her up the first time. She's like, I'm grateful. Fuck you. And then they, like, <laughs> drop her immediately again. It's like... Okay, yeah, that one didn't work. That one didn't work. Let's let's mellow out a little bit. Comes up, still a little attitude, goes back down. And then that time she's down, so the bubbles stop for a while. And she comes back up, and you get this idea that Cody's been broken. And mm-hmm. she portrays that beautifully. And she's sitting there, and she's, she's mashing the berries and everything, and the, the mom's shucking the corn. And you're trying to figure out, you know, where is this going to go? Because Ethan's won. These women are, are broken. They know, you know, they at this point they don't know that the dad is dead, but we do. We know they're gonna find out. 
And so you're sitting there thinking, and then for, like I said, for just that, that move, the way they just jump into action and, and it was a great little up and down for their characters that both of those actresses knocked out of the park. Oh, absolutely. Whenever. And I think, yeah, she, she really does become grateful. And of course she has the whole heartfelt apology to Anna, the mom, uh, since I finally just remembered what her name was, um, she has the whole heartfelt, you know, I'm sorry for ever, the way I've treated you. And I know you were trying your best. And I think that was a, for the character actually meaning it and getting to that place, but also to work as a distraction to keep kind of, you know, he, he's got what he wants and he's not going to be paying as much attention to me anymore. Right. And, you know, and speaking of that moment, when we talked about, you know, how the movie didn't get too preachy, you know, it touched on that idea of the the modern family being out of touch and stuff like that. And but again, it was another one where they didn't just hammer it and hammer it and hammer it. They give you this idea that, you know, yeah, that the dad's on his tablet all the time. She's on her phone. She doesn't want to lose her phone. She won't give up her laptop. And then at the end, you know. She's yeah, she has that moment where she's she is genuinely grateful and apologizes to the stepmom. But it was just boom, boom. Right. Again, they they never got preachy. They just gave us just enough of that idea. Um, it's a, a movie that we are not going to uh, review on this show. I gave like a five slide review of it on our Instagram store. You can catch us at ShiverPod on Instagram. It was a movie called Grim Cuddy that Halloween released recently. And it did the complete opposite of this. It was one of those movies where the whole premise was that the family wasn't connected and the technology was evil. And then it just went way too hard on it. This movie did a good job of being like, yeah, look, okay, here's this one theme. Here's this theme. All right, here's a touch on it, touch on it. But here's this final act that you're here for. And, and I, I think that I just, I really think that in that final act, we got, the that was when we realized that they knew what they were doing they they knew the movie they wanted to make and that's when they just that's when they just laid it all on the line absolutely and i like you said with the uh cut of the weapons up in the air being a, a good homage i thought the dialogue definitely did that in spades um you know like the one that always sticks out for me is classic one-liners is the whole garbage day. Yes. They kind of had those with the, you best get to shucking. <laughs> like there was just so, so much, so good. <laughs> so much great delivery on just a hilariously stupid line. Yes. It was, it was, it was so funny when, when he said that I, I was laughing so hard because you're right. It was, it was so bizarre. And like I said, we, we got this, we got this descent into madness. That was Ethan. And that really seemed to be the pinnacle of his insanity. Right. We, I did. We, you didn't think he was going to get any crazier until the moment when a switch flips for him and he goes from crawling away in pain to just laughing hysterically. And he, and he, you know, he gives that really solemn, isn't this exactly what you wished for? And we get that weird moment where it's, it's exactly like how when you were on last time and we had session nine and like the last line of the movie makes you go, wait, so wait, is it, was he crazy or is there a demon involved? Right. Yeah. It was, it was that same thing where you go, wait, how did, where do you get that wish? How does he know what you wish? I'm very confused now. 
Yeah. But but at the same time, everything was so insane until right then that that it was just like okay, yeah, sure. Because I you use you use the word hinky, and I, and I think that I think that that does uh, that does uh, sum up that that last little bit. But you know, for for all of the the main course of the story and the kills and stuff like that, that this is you're talking Thanksgiving, you got to talk sides. So if I had to pick something that was sides uh, for a movie. I'm going to look at the technical aspects of this. So when you're looking at this movie, I, you know, we're talking score, camera work, lighting, stuff like that. Was there anything about it that you liked? Did it drive you crazy? What are you going back for seconds of? So as far as things I liked, um, big thing, the score, because just that weird mixture of the childlike playground singing. Yeah. That's also religious chanting at the same time. Yes. That and the music just adds the creep factor. Um, lighting that didn't get too, you know, it's mostly in a house during the day. But then when you get towards that final act, I think it's when they, it kind of comes into play when they have the stocks is that creepy mistiness. Yeah. It's like, like, why is it so foggy all of a sudden? But it adds, <laughs> like, it's not distracting. It adds to it. And with the music and that really up the creep factor. Yeah. So I love that thing i didn't like i don't know lynn moncrief the cinematographer because i looked it up just out of curiosity because it was driving me nuts me too that guy was taking like taking a filmmaking course at some point saw the dutch angle and the whip pan and thought they were the greatest <laughs> fucking things in the history of movie making yeah um this this movie made me look up and figure out what a whip pan was because i was like it's not a smash cut but there's something that he's doing here and i did eventually learn that the phrase i was looking for was whip pan <laughs> Yeah, and I the one I looked up first and got to that one was the Dutch angle because I was like, there's a name for this, mm -hmm. and I need to find out what it is because it's that for if anyone's watching and is not familiar with movie making, it's when they show stuff like this, <laughs> and it's supposed to create an unsettling vibe because you're looking at everything at a at a weird angle, like a dog that's confused until it's yeah, and it's like okay, I once or twice you know. It, you're going to cut to something and put it at a weird angle. It's going to creep me out because I it throws off my equilibrium unnaturally. Right. When you do it for 90% of the movie, then I just feel like I'm in that spinning tunnel at the end of a house of mirrors and I can't keep, <laughs> I can't stop falling over and I beg the carny to let me off. And I'm just, and I'm just, I'm just on my knees crying while throwing up, <laughs> holding the handrail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I agree. The, the scoring of this, the 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 and not just the scoring but just the way that sound is used throughout the the idea that they play this uh that they play this hide and seek game with the two knocks and the one knock just the way that sound is used throughout down to the final act when we get that really that that really great like gospel singing in the background of all this carnage it was so perfectly done. It was play. It was played at just the right level to where you could hear it, but it wasn't taking over the scene. I loved that element of the scoring. That gospel music that they were playing during the feast was so perfect for just the the fit of the whole movie. For to to really play up how creepy that all was, I loved that. The, the sound effects, like I said, throughout that stuff was all great, mm -hmm. man. You're right. The camera work 
in this was driving me crazy. Yes, I did eventually stumble across uh, the the idea of this whip pan where you just you just slam the camera over. Um, I the thing that drove me insane in this, and I'm not even sure if this is a movie making term. I know for a fact it's a video game term. Was the burst and bloom lighting in this movie? drove me insane and like that i said it might not I'm be a not movie entirely familiar with so in a video game when you when you enter somewhere that's got where the, there's a drastic change in a light source it, mm. it will you know the way it kind of fills the room very quickly and you get um it's called like bloom lighting right okay. and so or when it happens real fast burst in bloom lighting in this movie there were so many times where it, where there would be some sort of new light source. And instead of it just being there, it got like the big weird things that remind me of not having my contacts in with my astigmatism, where it just like stretches way out from the source. It was distracting to me. And if you never noticed it, then it probably would never bother you. But for whatever reason, it stood out to me so much. It was driving me insane. And it would happen constantly. And and I just I don't know if it was just that's naturally what happened with the way they were lighting this thing, or if it was an actual decision to constantly make the light sources in the movie look like that. Mm. But until the final bit where everything was candle lit, it happened nonstop, and it was driving me insane. Okay, see the- that I didn't that I didn't notice really. Um, could be I was so distracted by. God, can this guy just focus on something for once? Uh, <laughs> I might have not even noticed that because I was so taken away with the other thing. Right. Fair. Um, but, you know, as far as some of the the directorial decisions that we talked about earlier, things that were clearly homages to older things or things that were just showed that the, the, the crew that made this movie had a love for the 80s holiday theme, horror themed movie. The the scene where she finds Finn in the broom closet and she opens it and we get like the him falling three times just back to back to back they just they just keep showing that replay that's that's so 80s slasher right like that's the yeah. type of thing that you would see in all those direct to video things that were cashing in I loved that uh, that some the, of- uh the cutting to um like oh my god I'm, my boyfriend's dead and it's like that weird kind of slow-mo yes. to it as well. Yes. Some really weird stuff they did like that. Some of the better aspects I thought of the camera work, that moment where uh, where Shane falls out of the window, which, by the way, that mm, before he falls out the window, and they stab him in the hand, and then it just like slices yep. his hand as he falls out. But so he falls out, and so we get this POV of patients coming at him with the axe, and so since he had just fallen out of the second story, it would make sense for his vision to be a little blurry. So we get that weird kind of double patience that just focuses right before the ax hit. Thought that was cool. You yeah. know, there was, but you're right. Just some of that camera work, man, it was almost, it was almost like some of it was done with, with just like a, a handheld camera at times. There were some weird shaky zooms that yeah. didn't seem to fit. Uh, so, Outside of the camera work, there were a lot of things that that I think really pushed the boundaries of of a of a good B movie. I was I wasn't mad at most of it, but that very first one you said, the scoring, 
and and the sound effects in this i thought they did great that we talked about it but that that just that dunk dunk when finn walks into his house when you eventually find out uh, that it's that butter churn just so many great things where sound was used just really really well in this movie mm-hmm. and then like with the slicing of the hand thing you can really like it sounds like somebody just had their hand sliced open through the middle yeah uh, also that's another one that stuck out for me is the angle is he's kind of that cut where yeah you know it's coming but also it looks really cool at the same time and of course the horror movie trope didn't i tell you that'd be simple yeah Boop. Now you got a knife in the hand. You shouldn't have fucking said anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was, you know, they, they just that. I think that when it comes down to to the to the directorial stuff in this movie, there's definitely, like I said, there's there's a love and a respect for for all of those movies. Like I said, there's 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 countless ones. I, Dave and I were sitting down recently to figure out what we were going to do this December because we did we did Silent Night Deadly Night 2 speaking of Garbage Day. And and we did Krampus last year and we had so much fun with them. We were trying to we we're trying to weed through and man, I found all sorts of stuff new and old that I'd never heard of. Christmas is just rife with horror movie stuff. And now creeping into the action movie genre, Sil- a violent night, <laughs> not, not a horror movie, but if we could just take a second to talk about the fact that David Harbour is making death wish at Santa Claus. <laughs> like, it's, it's great that Christmas, you know, for, for all, for all the war on Christmas that people talk about it, it's creeping into every bit of the movies and Thanksgiving. Like I said, before now, when it came to Thanksgiving, I would watch Dutch and I would watch plane. Uh, hell, when I'm done with this tonight, probably going to watch planes, trains and automobiles. If not, going to watch it tomorrow. Love that movie. Yep. But it's, it, you know, Thanksgiving isn't a holiday that's explored. And so you can see that the crew that made this movie was like, you know what I do? I love a good holiday horror. Uh, Marcus Dunstan is the director's name, but you could tell that he wanted to make one that was on par with how those others looked and he wanted to make a B movie. And I think he made a great B movie out of it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Which leaves us with only one more thing to do. And that is, it is time for us to uh, rate this. And so I've kicked around a couple ideas, but um, I'm actually going to, I'm going to, I'm going to modify one. And uh, that I had given you originally because you reminded me of a great one just a few minutes ago. So If you are not familiar with the podcast or you just need a quick reminder, we do rate a movie only against itself. So we are not looking at this movie and comparing it to other slashers, to other zealot films. These are holiday films. We're just looking at the movie that was presented to us here as Pilgrim. So we are going to we create a unique rating system that we use every that we use every time. So that's why we don't use stars. So today, Michael Hunger, out of a possible five weaponized husband heads. (laughs) What do oh. you give Pilgrim? I will say, first of all, I'm glad I reminded you because I was really hoping that you were going to go with the weaponized <laughs> husband heads. Uh, so this worked out very well. Um, as far as my rating, um, even with all the stuff that took away from it, uh, the camera work being the ma- most, the biggest thing for me was that. And then the minor plot details, I'm giving it three out of five. You're giving it what? Three out of five. Three out of five. All right. Solid, solid. Yeah. Um, 
I, 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 I expected nothing from this movie. And what I got was fun. I got one that I, I look forward to telling people about. To uh, I, I have already, I was, I, I finished this movie, immediately texted my mom. It's like, you were going to love this. You've got to watch it. She's watching it tomorrow night. This is one that I am going to recommend to anybody that, that likes a good, fun, bloody movie. Uh, so, so, you know, I, I've got a, I've got a solid base there. And then I look at just how much I enjoyed myself watching it, how much laughing I did, um, how few things there were that really got on my nerves and about how some of those things ended up being things that I liked. I did end up liking the fact that Cody started off the movie so damn annoying and it, it ended up making some sense. So I'm going to go a little bit higher. I am right on the fence. And you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to give this the benefit of the doubt because when it was all said and done, I just enjoyed the hell of it. And I'm going to go four, four out of five weaponized husband heads. I just, I had so much fun watching this movie and I immediately was texting Dave and was like, dude, even if, if, you know, even if you're not going to make it on the episode, You've got to watch this. You're going to love it. And I can see myself recommending this to a lot of people. So, yeah, I'm going to go four out of five. And did you do three or three and a half? I think I, I kind of tilted back and forth. I settled on three just because, okay. like you mentioned, a lot of fun. Didn't take itself too seriously. Knew exactly what it wanted to be. It was more the technical aspects that really took away a lot for me. And right. that's the okay. biggest thing. Otherwise, it had gotten gotten higher if not for those really did just jarring things throughout yes. that yes it, it, it really paid off at the end but it took a lot of trust on my part just to fight my way through some of those distracting things for me fair enough so that's gonna so um our final show rating on pilgrim is gonna be three and a half weaponized husband heads is what we are going to sit on. And I think, I think that that's really, I think that that's exactly where this movie should be. I think that there is a very large, uh, there's a decently large audience of people who would thoroughly enjoy this. And I, I, I don't think you've got to be a hardened horror fan to like it. Uh, I think you got to be, I think just the casual one is going to enjoy this because really for as much as we talked about the blood and all that, the kills aren't that brutal. The most of the blood is is just the vomiting of combination of blood and cranberry sauce. That's that's the goriest part of this movie. So, um, thank you so much for being on tonight, Hunger. You got anything you want to tell the people about before we get going? Uh, hey, thanks for having me. Uh, always love I love movies. Horror, not big on, but I do love talking about movies, no matter what. This was a lot of fun being here. I appreciate you guys. Love to come back sometime if that's possible. Anybody listening or watching. Um, much love to everybody. Hopefully you have a fun, safe holiday with your family or whoever you care about enough to spend the weekend. Uh, just please be careful. Uh, I drove into a telephone pole about a month ago. Don't take anything for granted. Uh, as far as myself, uh, my name's on the screen there at Tallboy Trivia. If you're in Tuscaloosa, you ever want to have a fun Monday night, uh, Gray Lady on Greensboro. I host Trivia Night at 8 o'clock on Mondays. This coming Monday is going to be How I Met Your Mother, but if you want to follow me on social media, you'll know all the future stuff. I'm on Facebook and Instagram, so you can keep up with those. Uh, so, yeah, just appreciate being here. Much love.
Yeah. Uh, the man runs an excellent, excellent game of trivia. So um, if you are in Tuscaloosa and you're listening, make sure you check him out. Also, if you are listening, we appreciate you. And make sure you head to shiverpod.com where you can get links to all of our social media stuff. We are at shiverpod on everything now, including YouTube, which has handles. So Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, if you look up at shiverpod, you will find links to our old shows. They are still on YouTube. Wherever you find your podcasts, you can find us there at shiverpod. Um, or like I said, if you just go to shiverpod.com, I've got links to all of those places on there. It's a very simple and clean website, super easy to use. Make sure you head over and check us out. We try to post horror memes. We try to keep you up to date with what's going on. Like I said, we are going to push Dead Alive back to next week when Dave will be back with us. And then we have got an excellent lineup of Christmas-themed horror movies to get us through December. And then we've got something really fun planned for January. So make sure you follow us at ShiverPod on all your social media. If you want to follow me individually and you're watching, I am at Punk underscore Phoenix. Um, It's mostly just memes and pictures of my kids and dog. So if you like those things, you know, you can toss me a follow on there. We appreciate each and every one of you guys who listen. I have noticed um, our interactions have been great. Our numbers have been climbing. Um, if you're looking to get your host to shiver something for Christmas, guys, share an episode, find your favorite one, share the link to it somewhere. Tell somebody about the show. We keep growing because you guys keep doing the work for us. And we really appreciate that. So thank you so much. And behalf of all of us here at shiver, fright you very much.